Kicking and Streaming Podcast is brought to you by Cafe 1804. Premium Haitian coffee now available online at cafe1804.com. That's cafe, K-A-F-E, 1804.com. And then we're going to go ahead and do this thing. This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming Podcast. My name is Graham, and with me today, of course, is my beloved and absolutely fantastic co-host, Jojo. Hello, my beloved Jojo. Howdy do, Graham. Jojo, I am good. I'm happy to see you again. Now, a lot of folks might not know that we had a pre-pre-pre-pre-recorded uh, uh, episode last week because I was away for a few days, and so we didn't want to skip a week. So we decided, boom, we're going to go ahead and uh, re- pre-record an episode. But all in all, this is the very first time I'm seeing Jojo in almost 12, 15 days. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah? Sucks, man. About two weeks, Sucks, dude. Man. Yeah, yeah. You left me here all, all by myself, all alone. I know, all Jojo. My bad. Myself. My bad. Uh, yeah, no cool. <laughs> but, Jojo, I'm glad we are back. And here in the United States, we had Thanksgiving. So we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But let me go ahead and stop this motherfucker right here. <laughs> Ah, the joys of live, not television. I swear to God, this is the house where everything happens when you're recording. <laughs> so, so okay, so here's the thing, right? D-Bart had started cleaning sometime today. And she ran out of battery, went back to her base. And now, as soon as I started recording, well, she decided, yeah, I'm resuming the cleaning. And I hear this wing like a lawnmower and shit. And it's Debar doing her thing. And I'm like, what? Like, the dogs are quiet. This is the day where the dogs are cool. You know what I but, mean? But it's an, the robotic uprising, so. I swear to yeah, God, Just man. watch out for the this toaster. Is it's it's going to be next. No cool. No, seriously. No cool. All right. <laughs> so, Jojo, briefly, I know we've talked a bit since then, but how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, it was fine. It was quiet. Just me and my husband, and we don't go anywhere or do anything because uh, we're we both of us neither like crowds. <laughs> <laughs> so no Black Fridays for us. So yeah, it was nah. just uh, us and the in the in the doggies and uh, food. So that's a yeah. good thing. Yes, yes, yes. Right. So let's go ahead and get going with the show today. We are reviewing a. A little show on Netflix called True Story. And I don't know why. Like, we we started doing, we started watching some other stuff because, you know, it took it took me a while to get back in the game from my, from my traveling and stuff. So I was like, Jojo, what do we do? What about this and what about that? And then I, I kind of took a look at one show and I told Jojo, take a look at the first episode and tell me what you think. And Jojo kind of read my mind and came back and told me, yeah, I saw it. I mean, I can talk about it, but I don't f- I'm not feeling it like that. I'm like, oh, so what about this one? <laughs> <laughs> and I told Jojo, so go ahead and take a look at True Story. And my, 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 I am I'm officially mind blown, right? So there's that. Jojo. I would like to hear what you think of the show. Go ahead. I thought it was good. I uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the the whole production value of it. I really thought there was great chemistry between Kevin Hart and Wesley Snipes. I just I really I really enjoyed the the whole thing. I, I liked the story, even though some of it is you know quote unquote cliched Hollywood. It, you need that sometimes in your life, and I thought I think the production values and the uh, 
The great chemistry and some really good and maybe surprising performances for some folks made up for for anything like that. So I thought it was good. Yeah. You and I, in that respect, are in the same boat. Because while there was nothing completely extraordinary about the story, because, again, it's, it's something that we clearly have seen before one way or another. But I have to say, we had some performances here. And while I was watching it, and we're going to go into into this a bit, while I was watching it, I was sort of like happy that I personally decided to give it a go because I tend, um, I'll explain myself in a little bit, but I tend to skip stuff from, from Kevin Hart. And it's not because I don't find him funny, but Kevin Hart has like a span of time where he can be funny to me. So once that happens then I move on. And so I'm, I'm glad that this time I did it. And uh, so if you would, yes. for, for our audience, anyone who would have done like I normally would do with, with a Kevin Hart show and just skip it, again, I'm going to explain myself. Tell them why they should watch this show by describing a little bit of what happens here, George. Go ahead, please. So the story follows the rise to stardom of a comedian played by Kevin Hart and uh, the things that happened to him along the way. And his his uh, he has some family dynamic going on with a brother and uh, some issues with wife and, and his managers and his handlers and that sort of thing. But... If you're thinking of skipping it because it's Kevin Hart playing the comedian, I I recommend that you kind of give up your prejudices about that because I, I was very, very impressed with the performance that Kevin Hart gave. I think that he did a really incredible job with the dramatic parts of this and also the sort of behind the scenes world of being a comedian of being a world-class comedian, someone who's, you know, incredibly popular and has a, a great, enormous fan base. I think he did a really good job of portraying that without making you f- feel like he was overplaying it, if that makes sense. Like, it, it didn't feel like he was hamming it up at all or, or trying to get people's sympathy for this part. Like, oh, poor me, I have it so hard because I'm rich and famous. But it, but more in the sense of 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 the things you have to give up to get to where you are. And um, I was pleasantly surprised with him not necessarily being a known for his dramatic roles, maybe not having the biggest career as an actor, so kind of a, a newbie actor, if you will. I was impressed with how well he was able to portray that and convey that to the camera. Absolutely. Thank you, Jojo, because like I said, there's only one person that can put things in perspective in a way that you know, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to have to do a lot of explaining of what I was trying to say. <laughs> so, <laughs> again, people ask me all the time, so so how did you guys, how did you know that she would be the best co-host? I'm like, because I met her. <laughs> you know, it's obvious. Like, Hello. <laughs> we, we talk. Like, I'm serious. Like, I see a lot of people like, I'm looking for a co-host on Facebook. And I'm like, I don't know how you can do that. Because, again, <laughs> like I said, if Jojo decides I don't want to do kicking and streaming anymore, most likely the show is over. <laughs> you know, I don't feel like, I, I don't feel like, you know. So, so <laughs> enough of that. But let me, let me go ahead and explain why I tend to skip uh, Kevin Hart stuff. Kevin Hart is a fast-talking comedian. And the way that he delivers his material is he he reminds me a lot of the kid that always talked fast and a lot to get himself out of trouble. Like the kid that always used his humor, his wit, his ability to fast talk to get out of trouble. And sometimes he goes through so many mazes and he does that masterfully that for a guy like me, I tend to lose interest by the time the punchline is delivered. And it's not like I have a short attention span. Is uh, For me, Kevin Hart is, is great at what he does. He's in a very articulated comedian, but perhaps he's not as great a communicator as Chappelle or as Chris Rock. But I'm not, I'm not comparing 
the, the, the three of them, but rather I'm saying that is Kevin Hart's brand of comedy, and I'm not necessarily very attracted to that. Having said that, the same thing that happened to me with, what's his name, Aziz Ansari, I found myself completely on board with Kevin Hart in the same way I felt on board with Aziz Ansari the first time I saw the first season of Master of None. I discovered that there was so much more to these dudes than the comedy that they are, that they make, and that really they are not the comedy that they make, but rather they have so much more talent than that. It may have been a way to launch themselves into this world of show business, but now they're starting to come out. In in the case of Kevin Hart, for me, Kevin Hart is starting to come out and showing his worth, and I couldn't be happier, Jojo. This show, like you said, like I've said, it's not necessarily the greatest storyline or plot. It is something that we've seen before. But to see Kevin Hart take this and work it in a way that makes you continue to watch and say, this is worth watching, this is worth talking about in Graham and JoJo's podcast, to me, that's the source right there. I think, again, as you will see in, in the title of this podcast, of this episode, let Kevin Hart take a bow. So, JoJo, let's talk about this show for a moment, right? The combination Wesley Snipes and and who would have ever thought? Tell me, who, <laughs> who would have ever thought that this duo would work so perfectly? Uh, that's like Graham and Jojo. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> It's true. Yeah, if you put the two names together, you know, Kevin Hart and Wesley Snipes, it's like, what? <laughs> what were you smoking to come up yeah. with that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but they have really great chemistry in this, which is, I will watch something that is total crap if there's great chemistry between the actors. And because I, I just love to watch that because I think it's it's really rare to find that that real spark between a couple people. And yeah. they really, really have that in this. And I I love I love that. I think that they're every scene that they're in together is compelling and truthful and funny. And and just, you know, all the things that you want from a good performance. So um yeah, I I I loved every minute that they were together on the screen. I believed every minute that they were together on the screen. Yeah. I had no trouble believing that these two were big brother and little brother. Wesley Snipes delivers a ne'er-do-well type of big brother that if you have siblings, you are accustomed to. It's not always your big brother. Sometimes it's the youngest child <laughs> in the family, or sometimes it is the oldest child in the family. or And sometimes the middle child, Right. But in this case, it was the big brother that that doesn't have the Midas touch, right? Like everything he does, he fucks up. Yes. Right? Yes. And you have to be cleaning up after them. And it, there are so many ways that you can identify with this story. But it's not necessarily because it's not a tired storyline. It has specifically to do with the two actors delivering the story. Your thought, George? Yes. And I, you know, I think too that you got the dynamic with it being the older brother who's the 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 never was. He's not a has been. He's a never was. He is. You get the Kevin Hart understands how that would hurt an old a, a younger brother in the sense of you're the older guy. You're supposed to be the one that I'm looking up to. You're supposed to take care of me. You're supposed to have my back. You know, that's the way it's quote unquote supposed to work. So you can, without it necessarily being said, you can feel that in his performance that he is, you know, you can feel it in his performance that he is saying without saying, why don't you have my back? Why am I the one who has to fix up your fuck up, fix your fuck ups? Why, why? <laughs> you yes, know, there's, there's yes. resentment there and you can feel it. Yes. And and you know what? It reminds me of something that I've, I've, I've been saying for a while. It is that 
Every day, I watch, I read on Facebook, people talking about like, uh, I'm done uh, with, with family and shit. Like, I don't have to forgive you, blah, blah, blah. I'll forgive you, but I will not forget. And blah, blah, blah. This is an example of the commitment that being family is all about. And there are some family members that you're afraid of walking away from because they literally will die if you turn your back on them. It's not a question of, and yes, they take advantage of that. Yes, they know that you're getting tired of picking up after them, of cleaning up after them, of always being there for them. But they can't do better. And if you decide, I've had it with you, you might as well just put a bullet on them because they just, do you see what I mean? <laughs> and so, and sometimes it's your little brother. Sometimes it's your big brother. Sometimes is, I don't know, even a fucking parent. <laughs> you know, I'm sure you you and I could talk for hours about this, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there are responsibilities that you've never specifically taken, like said, I'm going to take this responsibility. It just falls on your laps. And that's what happens with family. You just don't know, when the fuck did I say that this is my 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 cross to bear right when when did it become my job to do this right but you just go ahead and continue to do it over and over and over again and this story was a perfect example of that like sometimes you will you will throw some shit at them right uh, the kid the character that kevin hart plays he, he, he lost it sometimes at the brother and told him, like, you fuck up and I have to clean up after you and I'm tired of your shit. But when it was the moment, when the moment arose that he had to step up, he did. Yeah. But it's very hard to be always on the same side when you finally realize, after all I've done for you, motherfucker, you're going to do me like that? Yep. So, yep. so this is two characters that... I know a lot of people are going to identify with their staff around the kid. What do you think of, of, of the, do you think this was as solid, as solid a staff as they thought of themselves? Or do you, did you see some cracks there? Judge? I saw some cracks. I don't, I don't think that they, I don't know. I don't think as a team they were a hundred percent there as far as his entourage goes. I, I, I there was there was some underlying stuff, and it, it you know, and it comes out, of course, that that the kid is not perfect by any means. You know, he's 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 just recently gotten sober, so he was he was not fun to work with for a while. There's they they have a lot of. Um, I hate to use the term PTSD, but a lot of of uh, you, you know they have cringe moments, I guess, in this in the, in the sense of like uh, you know, oh God, he's turning into that person again. You know, he but he's yeah, been a lot so of trauma, trauma, from, from, yes, yes, yeah, past trauma yeah. that is making them you know wary of 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 anything that you know looks like he might be slipping back into that behavior. So you know, I think that they are kind of have a. Because of that, I think, you know, they have some bonding in the sense of, like, being trauma-bound, but also yeah. also in the sense of having to ultimately come down to it being each one for themselves. Like, I've got to take care of myself because I, I, I can't be 100% part of the team, and I never will be because I, I, I have to be – I will always be number one with me. I don't know. I'm not, not sure it makes sense. No, I – Perfectly. I was thinking about the cracks in every personalities. And so talking about Todd, for instance. So for me, Todd was the, he wasn't necessarily a yes man. Yeah. But he was, to a certain extent, a huge enabler. Yes, agreed. Agreed. The, the, kind, the kind of guy that will, will contribute to a person who's just reached stardom 
to fall from grace easily because he doesn't know how to say no to a guy like this. Yes. And one of the biggest problems of people with that kind of power, with that kind of um, pizzazz, if you will, is that they need somebody around them that can say no to them. Yes. That will accept the consequences of saying no. Yes. And Todd wasn't that guy. No, he he was, no. He, because if you have, if somebody's always telling you yes, and not necessarily, like you said, in the sense of a yes man, but in the sense of condoning the person's behavior, even if you're sort of tutting at them, you're still, you're still enabling them. You know, that turns the person into a, a monster, essentially. You can be as good a person as you want to be, but if you have unlimited power and unlimited money, if you don't have somebody who's going to bring some reality into your world, unwanted though it may be, you're you're going to just slowly disconnect from everything and become something other than human. Yeah. Yes. And that was what sort of like Todd was contributing to. I don't know if this was a social commentary within these series, but I liked the the chain of events with Billy. Because I think, and I'm not, I'm not in the world of comedy, so I don't know that for a fact, but I think I've, I've long suspected that even comedians, male comedians, don't necessarily think that females are funny and are always skeptical about female comedians. When they find one that is actually funny, they take her into this pedestal and think that she just happens to be the one that no other female can be as funny. And so when one woman makes that circle, make that circle, it's hard like for her to bring more females into that circle because it's just like they have to overprove themselves. And I think this was perfectly written here, the, the character of Billy, because she was someone who, they brought into the team because they thought she was funny on YouTube, <laughs> right? But then the kid didn't want to use her material. Yeah. And he flat out told her, because it's not funny. Yeah. And I don't think it was necessarily because it wasn't funny. It's because she was a woman and he wasn't, he wasn't going to open those doors for her like that. Is that what you saw, Jojo? I, I did see that. And I do think that was a bit of commentary because from everything that I have read, everything that I have have looked up or, or heard people discuss is that women aren't funny, that that women comedians are are never funny. They will never be as funny as a man. And that's that's just it. And if there is one that's funny, it's because she's masculine enough to be funny. She's got the balls right. to be funny. Right. And right. so I do think that that was definitely a bit of commentary on the writer's part to say, you know, you all suck. <laughs> Yeah. And this is why y'all suck. And yeah. um, I could certainly see someone of the kid, the comedian's status going, I'm not using your stuff. Like if it had been presented to him, if she had written it and had some guy show it to him as purporting that the dude had written it, I feel like he would have been, that's hilarious. I'm going to use that. I'm going to rework that a little bit and use it. But if she, if she yeah. came to him with it, as hers, he'd be like, that shit, get the fuck away from me. So, right. you know, some hypocrisy there. And I think that it was just trying to shed some light on that. And I, 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 I do, I do, from what I've, everything I've read, believe that that is completely what that was. I agree with you. Yeah. I, I, I you know, uh, I had that sense too. And I kept asking myself, why, why did they include that there? Because even when he was told, look, man, she went to this thing and killed it. Yeah. His question was like, was she funny, funny? Like, I don't know how much, how, how many times funny you have to be in order for you to, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I kept thinking, yeah, they're trying to say something here. They are trying to say something here. And I think, you know, this is, this is the time where the past, I want to say the past 10 years, women, especially women in comedy, you know, like, 20 years ago, it was Tina Fey and Amy Pollard, and that's all we heard about. 
But over the past 10 years, and maybe a little longer than that, you've had women that come out banging, banging from Mindy Kaling to uh, Alana Herslinger, those two women from Comedy Central that did that, that funny show, Amy Schumer. Like, women have cemented themselves in a way that they're not they're not requesting a place at the table, but rather I'm fucking sitting here because that's where I belong. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But still, still, I still believe that there's a lot more, a lot of resistance from a male comedian. Agreed. I I think that (laughs) misogyny is something that goes so deep into the psyche of humanity that uh, I I don't, you know, this is not the place to discuss it. But anyway. <laughs> it, is the place I, I, it is the fucking place, I, I, man. I'll, get, I'll, get <laughs> go, I'll talk me. for three hours. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, But I, I, I do think that it, it goes so deep into, into the psyche of humanity that, that there is will always be a sense of not only do you not belong at the table, you don't even belong anywhere near the table there will never be a place for you and the only reason you're here is because we allowed it so the the idea of that is of course wrong i hope at some point that that's going to change but i do feel that a lot of the folks that have come forward the women comedians who are at the table of of the greats if you will there's still a long road ahead for for anybody who wants to make it in comedy and is female i do think that the streaming platforms are brilliant and bringing female comedians to to the to the fore because it, before yeah. we would have had to have an HBO special to see right. somebody and to get on HBO you have to be somebody <laughs> you have to yeah <laughs> to, to get HBO there wasn't at all. taking chances on anybody no like exactly <laughs> but but Netflix you know you can get a Netflix special there's you know Hulu and 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 not Amazon so much but but Netflix and Hulu and um, my brain just went blank for a couple of the others but we are seeing a lot more uh, streaming platforms taking quote unquote chances on this young, younger, sometimes older, but this new talent and being willing to give someone a chance, even though they are female. And I think that that is part of the reason why we're getting to see more people because there is an audience. There's absolutely an audience for the feminine side of comedy. It's just, they've never been allowed to see it before because it was controlled by studio execs who are going, they're only going to laugh at Bill Cosby or Steve Martin or, you know, whoever. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. The streaming platforms, for all of their flaws, for all of their faults, they have done quite a bit to to help female comedians be more exposed, to, to, to become more in your face, if you will. Because I, I personally have discovered so many comedians today that are my favorite, comedians that are my favorites, thanks to streaming platforms. Yeah. yeah. I could give you some examples, but again, uh, that's per cata minuta. Let's talk about the idea, the theory of cancel culture. We've addressed that a couple of times here. And my firm belief is that cancel culture is bullshit. I think that there is a portion of society that would love for us to believe that there is such a thing as cancel culture. But in my view, there isn't. There is a culture of calling you out for saying and doing some shit that you shouldn't have done. And uh, what gets you canceled it no, is not necessarily having done some shit or having said some shit, but rather the way you respond and react to this shit. Because we all know that from the beginning of time, the way you react to certain stuff, either you're digging a bigger hole for yourself or you are actually humbling yourself and accepting that you've done some shit that isn't right. And so, for me, 
the idea that Kevin Hart today still continues to be successful and his star is rising exponentially more than it ever did, especially having had the opportunity to film this and for us to see that there's more to Kevin Hart than this and a talk show on Peacock and this and that, whereas, I don't know, what, four or five years ago, Kevin Hart was can was removed from hosting the Oscar and everybody thought that he was cancelled. I don't think... I, 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 this... I want to say this proves my point that there is no such thing as cancel culture. If you just humble yourself, put your head down, continue to put in the work, and stop fighting, and stop being an asshole, recognize that you are an asshole, redemption is right there because people like redemption, isn't it? Everybody loves a good redemption story. I mean, you know, the people people eat that with a spoon. <laughs> yes. But I think that one. You, I mean, you're you're one hundred percent correct. It, it it depends, of course, on the reaction. If you double down on whatever it is that 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 happened and are like, no, I'm right, and this is the way it's going to be. I mean you're going to pay the consequences for that, just like you would if you were at home with your mama and, you know, you you called her a fucking bitch and you got your face slapped and then you doubled down and called her a motherfucking bitch and you're going to get your face slapped again. So, I mean, that's that should just be common sense. But I, Simple as that. Simple as that. But I do think that there are some things that people can never recover from with their career. And I, I don't really think cancel culture comes into that at all. I think that that is something that has always been around when it comes to celebrities and celebrityhood and, and image. If you do something that complete, completely destroys an image that you have built very carefully and it's totally destroyed, I don't think that there is a coming back from that. You know, there's the example of, and this this happened in the 20s, there was a, a comedian called Fatty Arbuckle, and he was involved in a scandal wherein a, a young woman at a party he was at died. And the manner in which she died was a bit sensationalized in the press, and he, she was, she, she was raped and she died in the course of the rape. And it was said that he did it, even though there was a lot of evidence to the opposite. But even though he was found ultimately not guilty, it was found that it had been done by other people. His career was completely destroyed and he actually was never able to recover from, from that one thing that happened. And he did work behind the scenes in Hollywood for a long time, but he had this very family-friendly, very like jovial, sweet persona that he had built up. But because he was involved in this case where a young woman died, she died from very horrible circumstances. It was something that his career, he could never play that very jovial, sweet, happy family guy again. It just, it was gone. So, but I don't think that that's cancel culture. I think that is just the consequences of the of actions of of things that happen. And you know, I just you know, I think about Louis C.K. Yeah, he. I think he certainly didn't double down. He apologized, but I. I he's. I don't think that his career is going to be coming back anytime necessarily soon to the extent that it was at when all those allegations first came out. Yeah, and I've thought about Louis C.K. a lot while I was thinking about this, because this is probably the one example that I can think of, you know, because, and this is going to be a bit controversial for me to say, but I feel like I compare some of these things with Republicans and Democrats in the way, in the sense that whenever a Democrat fucks up, the Democratic Party comes out and say, I think he should resign. Simple. There's no, but let's, let's take the case of Al Franken, for instance. Yeah. It didn't need to be proven. It was just a question of like, this. if this happened, 
he should resign. And just because this has been talked about, he should resign. Just because this is not going away, he should resign. And eventually, Al Franken had to resign. Yes. Whereas there's some motherfucker from Louisiana who was found with prostitutes. There was proof that he paid the money. <laughs> there was proof that he had taken some money. And this motherfucker said, no, I'm not resigning. I mean, this shit happened, and I'm sorry it happened. When we know that is is a question of I'm sorry I got caught. I'm sorry I got caught. Yeah, <laughs> sorry you caught me. But this nigga said I'm not resigning. Anything he didn't resign, and in fact I think he went on to be from governor to senator and shit, and he's still around, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It, for instance, Donald Trump, Billy Bush, <laughs> got punished harsher and harder by society, by his work. But I mean, this nigga had to go away for a while. Yeah. Yes, he did. And Donald Trump went on to become the 45th president of the United States. Yes. When he was the nigga saying the shit that Billy Bush was just laughing about. Yes. Yes. Was was kind of like the, what you would do as a host with someone who is, I, I'm not really defending Billy Bush, but I'm I'm saying in that situation and somebody says something like that, I mean, what the hell are you supposed to do? Dude, if some motherfucker is talking shit like a crazy person, yeah, and all I have to do is interview this nigga, like I'm like, yeah, whatever, nigga, like, yeah, sure, whatever, yeah. So and and I feel like, like that's what Billy Bush was doing. Like seriously, uh, I'm not like you said. I'm not condoning what he's what he did or whatever. Like, I'm just saying, yeah, that sometimes motherfuckers be saying shit that are so whack that all you feel like. Let me just just go ahead and see. Yeah, 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 man. Yeah, let me I, laugh while I'm slowly whatever, backing dude. out the door. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? And I, I mean, like, this is what Billy Bush was saying. Well, what I'm saying with this is that cancel culture, if it exists, is very selective. Very. Right? Very, very, very. And sometimes, if you are a bold ginger, who doesn't have a lot of friends in Hollywood and may have pissed off a lot of people along the way of becoming famous, when you finally fall, there's not going to be a lot of people trying to defend you. And I think that's the case with, with Louis C.K. Yeah. yeah. And in the case of Kevin Hart, nothing that he did is comparable to what Louis C.K. did. No. Right? No, 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 no. Louis C.K. is the guy that just masturbated in front of a woman whatever, and then did, like, he did some horrible fucking shit. Yes, he did. And Kevin Hart just, like, tweeted some shit and said some shit on his comedy or whatever. But also, he had sort of, like, the representation of metaphoric, the metaphoric Republican Party behind him is that black people weren't going to let that happen, you know. And in the black culture, we cry a lot about cancel culture, but we don't let our people get canceled. Simple as that. You know, there's still a lot of motherfuckers defending R. Kelly and Cosby true. out there. True, there. True. I actually heard somebody just the other day talking about Bill Cosby. I was like, are you insane? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and, like, no matter how much evidence you present to my black folks, it's just like, no, man, they're just, destroy, just trying to destroy a black man. And we're not going to let that happen. Chappelle, with his homophobia and his transphobia and shit. No, man, they're trying to cancel Dave. They ain't going to cancel Dave. And, like, I can't remember the black celebrity that has get, been canceled. I can't. I can't, because Cosby is not really canceled, is he? <laughs> no, oh, I mean, I a lot of his shows got pulled from syndication, but I, and people kind of cringe at the name, but at the same time, he's made his money, and, you know, he's out of prison, so. Yeah! If Cosby went on a tour right now, went on tour right now, five cities, let's say Philadelphia, Chicago, <sighs> San Antonio, Texas, 
New York City. Yo, it will be back. I I agree. You know I, mean? I agree. If okay. I agree. You know. I agree. So, what what I'm saying by that is that you have to stop with the whole idea that there's a cancel culture. There isn't. There isn't. It's a war cry that does not exist. Some people, they get to go away for shit they've said and they've done. And it should be like that with everybody who said some weird shit and done some weird shit. But only some get cancelled. And it's because they've never been everybody else's favorite. It's not necessarily because they've done something wrong. It's like there's no fucking war on Christmas. There never there has no been. It's not it's not even a real holiday, but whatever. And so I to me, cancel culture is is a rallying cry for that same demographic. That yeah. same demographic of who wants to have everything their way, for there not to be any consequences for any actions whatsoever, and right. to be able to... It's comedy! Right, exactly. Oppress women and minor- minorities and do whatever they want, and that that's it. What we are talking about, in the sense that repercussions happen because what you did was wrong. And how you come out of it is once you've apologized, put your head down, continue to do your work, and wait for people to detox from whatever you've done. You'll be fine, you know. But, all right, let's move on from that, Joshua. (laughs) (laughs) This is something that I needed to talk about because I I felt like it's, it's, you know what I mean? It's just, every time we have an opportunity, we talk about, cancel culture yeah you know but especially after the the latest comedy special by Dave Chappelle where I've had to fight people online saying like man they're trying to cancel Dave nobody's trying to cancel Dave Dave will never be canceled he's Dave Chappelle yeah you're the one who's suffering you're the one who's just going crazy about it and shit he's Dave Chappelle yeah He'll have, he'll have that fight every day. That's his brand. He's going to continue to make money from doing that. Simple as that. He's never going to get cancelled. He's never going to get cancelled. Because cancel culture is not a thing. It's simply not a thing. Nope. So some motherfuckers aren't lucky and they're ugly and people don't like them like that. They get cancelled. Simple. Simple. Right, let's talk about the casting, Jojo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kevin Hart, Wesley Snipes, mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic actors. Yeah. I think I can put Kevin Hart in that category. Yeah, I, I agree. You know? Completely agree. Um, um, you know who was a surprise for me was Billy Zane. Billy fucking Zane. He, this nigga right there. I, man. for whatever reason, had forgotten he was in it. I read the cast list and I knew he was in it, but I'd forgotten it. And then it took me a couple scenes for me, me to recognize him. And then I was me like, too. holy shit, that's Billy Zane. And Billy he Zane. is good. Hey, he, yes. I was very, very impressed with him. I was like, holy crap, he has not, he's, he's still a good asshole. I love it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's his brand, that's his thing. Yeah. Put me there and I'll be the asshole. Yeah, and he's so good at it. He's so good at it. And and he's lost some weight, this nigga. Hasn't he, he has. He really has. He really has. Which was why it, it took me a moment to to figure out it was Billy Zane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, oh, it's Billy Zane. Yep. Yeah. It is Billy Zane. It- with a beard, with hair, but that's Billy Zane. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Yes. It was a great turn. I loved his uh, his little comedic, his dark gallows humor was was, was great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's scary as fuck. Yes. Yes. And and Kevin Hart's character's reaction to that was was lovely too. Like they like they had yeah. great chemistry with each other, I yes. thought, because yes. his reaction to him was very much what a normal person's reaction would be, which is what the hell is wrong with you? You're a psychopath. Yeah. And, and he's, the good thing for me is, and I keep talking about this shit, is that 
nobody outacted Kevin Hart no. here. No one outacted Mm-mm. Kevin Hart. And I don't Kevin feel Hart that anybody was fucking good. I don't feel that anybody was pulling punches either for him. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm going to give him his chance in the light or anything like that. I feel like no. everybody was, had brought their A game um, to yeah. this. So, and he, and he did too. And he, he was great. Right. You're going to have to do your thing, man. Yeah. You're going to have to do your thing because we all hear acting and shit. <laughs> yeah. You know? So this was, this was fantastic. Tony Newsom. I, I seem like I have always trying to remember, okay, that's my girl from Space Force. That's Tony Newsom. The face looked familiar. I loved her from the moment she, she played Billy. But I kept trying to remember, where have I seen this girl? And it was from Space Force. And we did, actually, we did an episode about fa- Space Force. We did. I, I actually expected Space Force to be a bit more... To have made a, a bigger splash. Me too. Me too. And it didn't. Yeah, it didn't. I think it deserved to have made a bigger, bigger splash because I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious. Man. It was absolutely hilarious. And, and Tony Newsom was fantastic on there. Too. She was. She really was. Yeah. Yeah. Ash Santos played Daphne. She just had a couple of minutes on the on scene. So. Yeah. She, um, she was good, though. Yeah, she was. Good. She was convincing. She was good. Yeah. yeah. Law in London. She was mostly on the phone until she made the last appearance. Yes. Uh, as Monica or Mo. Yes. Now Theo Rossi. This kid is good, Jocelyn. Yeah. Yeah. He is. He is so so good. Yeah. Like he is. I, I've seen him in a couple of things. And he has like one of those faces that as soon as you see him, you're like, huh, whatever he's playing is going to be good. Yeah. He's a young actor, isn't he? Like, Yeah, I think, uh, I think he's uh, 45, 45, 46 or yeah. something. Yeah. But like every character, he has these thespian qualities to him. He does. Um, <laughs> it's funny because we, we always keep finding those actors that we, we can recognize that our theater man, you know, like even when the Tucker brothers were with us, we know we talked about this, like the guy that has a history of theater, you can always tell because no matter the character, you will find that just extra bit of quality there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Sort of a turn of phrase or a, uh, a way of, of, of bringing the character to life. It's, it's a little bit different, but yeah. Yeah, he was, yes. he was good, and the character of Gene is a uh, is a good character, and he, he Theo Rossi makes him um, doesn't make him pathetic. Some he could have been pathetic, I think, in a different actor's hands, but he's he's not pathetic at all. He's uh, he's he's a poignant character. He's a important little side bit to the story that yeah. happens. But he's he, Theo Rossi never makes him pathetic, and he could have been. And I, yeah. I, I'm glad yeah. that they that they chose a, a a great actor for him for his role. In, yes, you're right. In the head of, a, of of another actor, this would be a character that you you don't feel like you have to care for. Yeah. But this this character was and like not only did I understand the character, I understood how the friendship came about between the two of them. And even in the moment where his demise happened, I kind of understood his nobility, if you will. Yeah. Because he felt like, yeah, man, I can give you this. I will give you this. Because if I have just told you, brother, to not be a burden to you, I'm not going to be that burden to you. Yeah. Um, William Catlett as Hirsch or Herschel. Mm-hmm. I love this guy because he was, if I was, if I, if I ever needed a driver slash bodyguard or anything, that's the kind of dude I'd like to have. He's not entirely in your face, but he knows what his job is. But at the same time, he's a dude that can be your friend, because I, you know, sometimes these bodyguards keep like a certain distance from you. Mm-hmm. I mean. Not that I have, I've had a bodyguard, you know, from what I've seen. 
Graham's got a whole another life we all know nothing about. <laughs> <laughs> From what I've seen, like like typically on, in movies and in, in TV series, bodyguards have like this. They they keep this eight feet distance from you to make you feel like I'm here to protect you fuck you don't talk to me I ain't your friend but this guy was more than that you know and I like the the one thing I love the most is the fact that he let the two brothers have it oh yeah man I'm not gonna no that's not my job like seriously that's definitely not my job (laughs) Y'all niggas go ahead and fight it, man. Like, yep. whatever, man. You, you, you do know. your thing, you know. I loved it. I loved it, Jojo. I loved it, man. I'm like, <laughs> yes, that's it. Because you know that it was two siblings just going at it. Like, what am I, your dad or your mom? <laughs> I'm not going to get into that. You don't, you don't pay me enough for that shit. You know, that was dope. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Adelstein. As Todd, we talked about Todd a bit, mm-hmm. you know. We did, but I think I think he I think he played this role, played the hell out of this role. I think he, he was good. I think he did too. I think he was good. And these two motherfuckers, uh, <laughs> Chris Diamantopoulos as Savas and John Ailes as Nikos. Uh, <laughs> everything about these two dudes read like like siblings. <laughs> <laughs> the chemistry, the like they were like the opposite sides of the kid and, and Carlton. Yeah. You know, I mean like it was like, oh my God, these two, they would go into an argument while arguing about something else and and then the the, the language switch is is so a if you're a child of immigrant, you will understand exactly what happens here. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, let's switch, and then we'll go back to this guy right here. Let's let's leave the room. You know what I'm saying? Like instead of I'll say, can you give us the room? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I don't know. You can stay right here. We'll just we'll just speak Greek. <laughs> you know, and then they get right back at it. You know, these two were perfectly cast for this for these characters. Yeah, loved it. Yeah. When I say let Kevin Hart take a bow, I I actually mean it. I don't know about the writing, but I think there was some good acting going on here. Yeah. There's, there's, as for best supporting character, I would nominate both Wesley Snipes and Billy Zane and Theo Rossi. So that's three for me right there. And for Let's even throw Tony in there too. Yeah. If you would. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was the the production quality was great and the acting elevated it all above it was it was greater than the sum of its parts cuz I don't know that the writing was was 100% there but at the same time I I it it came together and was good. Yeah. I've seen a lot of Actors do very much less than that and get a Golden Globe nomination, get an Emmy nomination. Yeah. I would expect that, you know, Kevin Hart's name is in the hat for this. I certainly hope so. Because I certainly hope so. He and Wesley Snipes and Billy Zane, I feel like all three of them deserve. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant acting. Yeah. Brilliant acting. You know, there was... I remember when Eddie Murphy got an Emmy nomination, no, an Oscar nomination for Dreamgirl. And Eddie Murphy's character wasn't actually that big in the movie. But he had some moments. He had some moments that made him be considered like, yeah, that's 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 the real deal right there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I don't know, for some reason we're always surprised when we realize that stand-up comedian can act, <laughs> you know, and we always seem surprised by that. I mean, if you understand stand-up comedy is that this guy is acting for about 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's just just him, <laughs> just him or just her, you know, on the stage with 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 lots and lots and lots of people. And you have to be able to read yeah. the audience and go, well, that didn't go so good, so let's try something else. And constantly thinking on your feet, so you, you have to have a very high level of talent to be successful at that. So it it shouldn't be a surprise that they could pull off drama. For some reason, but, it always is. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all those surprises, <laughs> shit, you know. Yeah, like I, I, you know, do you know who generally surprised me that he was, he is actually as good an actor as he is a comedian, Sasha Baron Cohen. Yes, yes, I, I, I think maybe some of that is because he is so over the top with his, yes. his, with his, with his, his hilarity, his, his, his comedy. Yes. It, it seems like he could only ever be totally ridiculous. Exactly, but but he he's he's brilliant. He's very very good. He's absolutely great yeah. in drama. Yeah. He's you know is 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 that. But again, I think you know it happens a lot with people that we've always in like you know um, most people here in the U.S. didn't know that for the most part Hugh Laurie was a comedian. True. Until he he did House. <laughs> you know. True. True. A lot of people didn't even so, know he was British when House came. <laughs> when he started doing interviews and he had the accent, people were like, what? He's not from around here? <laughs> people on Twitter was like, why is this dude talking like Simon Templar or some shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. That's, that's it. That's how good it is. But, like, you know, like I said, I feel like if we are going to be just, if you, we are going to be fair with the work that a guy like Kevin Hart puts in, in these, in this, you know, this part of his craft, then yes, let's at least nominate him. He might not win it. I don't know. There's so much more to see. But like I said, let's at least let him have his nomination because he had a moment here and he showed us that he's so much more yeah. than the hilarious, you know, short little comedian that f- is fast talking and, and blah, blah, blah. In terms of stars, what would you give this? I'd say for the, for the acting and for, for the chemistry and the surprise of all that, I would give it a, a solid three and a half. In terms of you. story, in terms of story, I would have to knock off a star if we were only going off a story. But I, yeah, yeah, I think I think the actors put in the work with a story yeah. that was at best mediocre. Yeah. So there's that. We're happy to be back, and we thank you for being here with us, for listening, for subscribing, for all the things you do, because we know you there because you listen, even though. Sometimes you don't interact, but hey, man. We, I'm not much of an interactor either, so, you know. <laughs> we're like insane introverts, which is why we, we podcast. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. I don't leave the house on Black Friday, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, again, we, we want to thank you for all of it, and uh, we hope to find you here again. Yes. So, you can find us, of course, on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, just by looking up Kicking and Streaming. As long as you don't use ING or the gerund, you will find us Kicking and Streaming podcast. Also, there's this thing. If you ever watch or listen to this show and you thought to yourself, especially now, during the Christmas time, the holiday times or whatever, like, you know what? I've listened to a couple of these guys' shows and I'd like to tip them. You can go to Buy Me A Coffee and leave us something there too. So Buy Me A Coffee, if you go to our website, there's a little um, thing there. You can just click on it. Go on, Buy Me A Coffee and do your part. I say, this is not a paywall that we're putting on the show. We've done this show for almost three years. We'll continue to do it. It's free. It's absolutely free. But if you've ever thought about... How can I, you know, buy Jocelyn Graham a coffee? Do it that way. Buymeacoffee.com. Right? Buymeacoffee.com. Kicking and streaming. What else, Jojo? They can find you on Instagram, right, Jojo? 
Yes, I am a KNS co-host. KNS co-host. and co-host. That's me. Yeah. And me, you will find me on Instagram, on Twitter as Mr. Puzzetta. That's M-R-P-U-Z-Z-E-T-T-A. M-R-P-U-Z-Z-E-T-T-A. It has come to this. Jojo and I are going to say goodbye at this point. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here with us. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to Kicking and Streaming Podcast. If you found value in our content, please subscribe and share. We would also be delighted to hear what you think of this podcast. So please rate us by writing a quick review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all major social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Join the conversation happening today on our Facebook group.